There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and welcome to another Business Elevation Show on Voice America. And as ever, it's just great to be back with you for another week and, and have another amazing guest, uh, a guest who's been on the show before, but a long time ago now, quite a, quite a number of years ago, um, we've got Jane Gunn. And we're going to be talking today about um, Solve by Midnight, about rapid conflict resolution. And uh, it is great to be talking to Jane. I had to do something very unusual and postpone her just before Christmas at last minute because I was um, coming back from Turkey and uh, found myself delayed by fog for a couple of days and unfortunately couldn't make the interview. I was actually in the air coming back. Um, So you might have heard a little bit more about that maybe if you listen to the roomy interviews that we did, um, which were aired in February. And um, we, I talked and shared all about the life of Rumi and the experience that I had over there in Turkey. And um, I think uh, it was a really good set of interviews if you're interested in finding out more about Rumi and how maybe some of his ideas today, even though he's a 13th century philosopher, how they have impacted people's lives, how he's the best-selling author, sorry, poet in the United States uh, very frequently. And... Um, how people are just really taking his work today and really utilizing it to help them to develop their thinking, develop their businesses. And we also had on the show last week uh, my good friend John Kramer, who is uh, an incredible improv expert and uh, business expert. He wins many, many years as a as very big sort of academies where they have book speakers and John tends to win each year. And uh, with with John, we were talking about how we can use some of those improv skills and uh, and things like people styles that he's really into, uh, which are very helpful when we find ourselves in situations that we need to act upon quickly in business. So to today's show, and um, delighted today that um, we have my guest, Jane Gunn. Uh, Jane is known for opening the eyes, hearts and minds of numerous companies to transform and secure the future of their organization and the commitment and collaboration of their people. And she's literally helped the results of hundreds and hundreds of conflicts. You know, conflict at work and at home, it can be incredibly draining emotionally and in some cases can be very, very expensive. And you know, you may, for example, over Christmas have found yourself together with all of your family and you might have had uh, one or two conflicts in the family, perhaps. And uh, this could actually mean that you've, uh, you know, you're kind of very mindful of uh, what can happen when people get together. Um, but when it happens in the workplace, it can be equally stressful and equally as challenging. So which conflicts do you need to resolve in your life and how will you go about it? Uh, Jane Gunn told me when people are in conflict, it often takes three years or more before it's properly resolved. Jane's a former lawyer and a mission is to help busy executives to collaborate effectively, manage change, challenge and crisis in their organizations. She's a mediator. She's a speaker and author of How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom. Maybe we should chat about that, Jane. And has been invited to speak at the United Nations, the White House, the European Commission, International International Energy Agency. She's spoken at events all over the world. She was just telling me about going to speak in Bermuda shortly as well. So a big welcome to Jane, who's also a good friend. And we're going to talk about resolving conflict rapidly and ideally by midnight. Jane, how are you? Hi, Chris. Very well. Thank you. And uh, just I've just got a little quote for you from Rumi here. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. So one of the things we try to do in conflict resolution is to stop this focus on who's right and who's wrong and uh, to go to the field and have a have a dialogue instead. It's amazing how relevant that still is, 700 yeah. years later, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's, this is all age-old wisdom, really, isn't it? 
It is. It is. But in our busy lives, we forget it. We do. I'm sure we've been, ever since our origins, we've been having conflict. And um, you're right, we we forget it that we need at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So tell tell me, what what have you been doing since our last interview? I'm, I'm just suddenly trying to remember how long ago that was. But I think that was... Oh, maybe five years ago or something? At least five years ago, Chris. So um, I've written another book. Um, I've written a, a small book this time. So the last book was uh, the one you, you mentioned, um, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom. And, and that was very much aimed at um, busy executives who find that not only have they got a problem in the boardroom or in the workplace, but they've also got a problem, but, you know, that spills over into their family life. So uh, they end up with tension with their spouse or with their teenage children or whatever, uh, and vice versa. And a problem from home spills over into the workplace. And now I've written a much smaller book, a pocket book, really, because what I find is that, you know, when I've stopped working with my clients, they want to have me on their shoulder and say, oh, what would Jane do? Or what was it Jane told me? So a little book now called The Authority Guide to Conflict Resolution, a pocket book full of tips and tools, and with it, um, a little video program so that there's a tiny little video clip on each of the skills and tools that people could have a little look at to remind them what the wisdom for that particular thing is. That sounds really good. I'm just a bit embarrassed. I didn't know when you'd last been on the show and you were actually, <laughs> you were actually on 23rd of March 2012. So on uh, uh, next week, on Monday, you literally seven years since you were on the show. <laughs> Can you believe it? Wow, wow. Yes, doesn't time fly? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, um, so obviously you've been you're still working in conflict. Um, yes. You know what what types of conflict do people experience? I mean, all types. I tend to focus primarily on people in the workplace, in the boardroom, in partnerships. But you know, as I've just explained, those. Conflicts are not restricted to you know one particular domain. They tend to spill over into other areas of our life. So, you know, I might be working with a group of chief executives, and then they'll say they've got issues going on in other areas of their life with family members. They've had a bad Christmas, as you just mentioned, or other things. So, um, the thing about conflict is it's universal. It affects all of us in all of the areas of our life and um, the skills and tools that you need to resolve it can apply in all those areas too. So 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 actually you you find yourself helping people with domestic issues too, do you, as well as business? Yes, I mean, I don't primarily focus on that, but they tend to come up as ancillary issues when I'm working with people in the workplace or in the boardroom, absolutely. Excellent, uh, and I mean, I guess this this causes all sorts of stress for people, and you know, the impact can be huge, can't it? If there's, if there's significant conflict going on, um, you know, I guess yeah. internally, with internally, but also with suppliers and with customers. Both, I think. I mean, I think you can't underestimate the impact of conflict on us, on on our mental and physical health. So it has a huge impact on how we feel about ourselves, how we then go about interacting with other people. It can cause huge stress and therefore have an impact on our health and our ability to sleep, literally can cause people to have sleepless nights and so on. And then it does have an impact on, you know, on our workplace. People talk about a toxic work environment. If there's a, a conflict that's going on that isn't being resolved, it tends to escalate. It tends to just get worse over time uh, and the impact that will have on your co-workers uh, can also be huge and, and if it's not being addressed then that just festers if you like just festers away and gets worse. So Jane you were just saying that you know these things can really fester with people and I'm just interested to know you know with your example with with your client your clients you know, mentally, with your the mental health implications of this can be huge, can't they? It can you be impacting people when they go home with their families, with their kids? Uh, you know how you know how has the ability to kind of derail your life, don't they? They do, and I think people, are, you know, they kind of get s- stuck in a place where they don't know how to address conflict. That's the real thing I find with people is they're either denying that it's happening or they just 
don't know how to handle it. So, you know, they're sort of bouncing from home to work and and conflicts probably escalating in both those arenas and they just don't know how to, you know, just don't know how to, how to move forward with it really. So it can be a very difficult time, but, you know, particularly from a stress perspective. I certainly noticed, you know, myself with my clients when there's, there's conflicts, you know, the, the, this, this conflict can can kind of grow in their minds so it becomes absolutely all-consuming yes and i've probably probably experienced it myself to be honest in the past that with with workplace stress years ago and just and an issue that i had with a relationship with somebody at work and and it becomes almost impossible to function if you're not careful uh, absolutely. So what you tend to find is, you know, if you're talking about yourself or you or me, you, you, we become kind of t- sort of totally self-absorbed or totally absorbed with this situation. And then we want to we want to bounce it off other people. So the only thing we can talk about to other people is what's going on in this situation. And we can't, it's almost as though we're in a, a, in a kind of bubble. We can't see beyond that. We can't see beyond our own perspective of it. Uh, and we are totally focused on, you know, the fact that we've got it right and that everybody else is seeing it differently it gives me a whole uh, whole story that you create behind this this thing which may or may not be true from your perspective absolutely yeah and the story grows and of course well, then we do a thing that I call having parallel conversations so we tend to go out to other people other colleagues people at home and we tell them our story and what we're looking for is reassurance you know for them to confirm or reaffirm that we're right and the other person's wrong. Um, so we're looking to sort of build tribes and groups that support us. And that's where that's where it all starts to go wrong, really, because the whole thing just gets worse. You know, we're sort of building up these great big tribes and teams. We might go to someone like a lawyer and say, you know, I, I'm right from a legal perspective, aren't I? Or we might go to someone else and, and we just build up this huge picture in our mind. Yeah, I was just thinking, thinking of a... Roomy quote again, in concealing others' faults, be like the night. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, when you say we go back to rumour, we know all this stuff, and yet we get caught up in the moment, we get caught up in the issues, we can't see beyond the boundaries of our own thinking. And, and you know, you, you, the, the title of this interview is Solved by Midnight, yeah. From your experience, you mentioned you know conflicts can you know, take three years or more to be properly resolved. Is it possible to really solve these by midnight? Yeah. So my so my experience is you know often by the time people come to me and I was chatting to to someone the other day who said she'd had an issue with a colleague in the workplace and she said this has been going on for over three years and how much she hated going into work. And that's not unusual, and, in, and even research has shown us that it isn't unusual for a conflict to rumble on for that long. But if you've got the right framework and you've certainly got the right tools, and if you've got the right help, if you do need someone to step in and help you take a different perspective, it's certainly possible to turn things around in 24 hours. And that's exactly what I would do as a mediator. We take one day, we put a day in the diary, we ask everybody to step off the conveyor belt and say, let's unpack this, let's uh, look at it from a different perspective. um, And let's see what if there's a way forward or what the way forward is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have have any examples you can share without breaking confidentiality of uh, the kinds of issues you have to solve? Um, I mean, a recent issue was working with uh, some some partners uh, in a firm and uh, their relationship had, had broken down um, for various reasons. I mean, I've worked with many partnerships uh, over the years, so, um, but... Yes, so they 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 are not seeing things the same way, but they're unable to communicate. So they're actually unable to run meetings effectively now, and and other members of staff are getting drawn into that. Um, so that was one example. And you know what we needed to do there is to go back to basics and say, where did this start? You know what was the trigger for this? What what actually triggered this off? And 
what are the key issues? Because people have forgotten. Uh, and, and what outcome do you want? When I ask that question, where do you want to get to with this? People look at me and they say, well, I don't know. I've never thought about that. Not quite sure. I got so stuck in the moment. I can't remember what this was about specifically. Uh, and I don't know where it is we're trying to get to. I just know that we're not getting on and that everything is in a muddle and that we can't operate effectively on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. Well, after after the break, we'll find out more about uh, how to deal with some of these issues. Um, Mm -hmm. So do do that in just a just a couple of minutes. Um, I'd like to just share with you um, some information about uh, an organisation called Fresh Books, who are very kindly uh, sponsoring the show. And I wouldn't allow anybody to sponsor the show unless they've got a, a a great product. And and these have, in fact, twenty four million people use Fresh Books. And, and then there's an opportunity here for you to um, gain free access for 30 days with no no credit card required, which I think is is great. So I wonder if you can remember when you started your small business and if you have a business and it wasn't a small feat. I know my guest Jane will remember this as well. You know, it will have taken a lot of late nights, early mornings and the occasional nighter. And bottom line, you've probably been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little bit easier? Our friends from FreshBooks have the solution. They have an invoicing and accounting software, which is designed specifically for small business owners. Simple, intuitive, keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled of crumpled receipts. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds, get them paid two times faster with automated online payments, file expenses even quicker, keep them perfectly organized for your tax time. And the best part FreshBooks grows alongside your business. You'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever trying to learn the ins and outs of accounting. As I mentioned, 24 million users. Try it for free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash elevation. That's freshbooks.com slash elevation and enter the Business Elevation Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Jane Gunn. We're talking about conflict resolution and the ability to solve some challenging conflicts by midnight. And Jane tells us that's possible um, with some uh, getting together and being able to talk about uh, some things with a third party help. I think is particularly helpful to help you see the wood from the trees. And so I wonder, Jane, what are the main things from your experience that companies really must have in place to help solve conflict effectively? 
So I talk about having a system, a systematic approach to conflict resolution. And, and that means they must have a very clear process that everybody in the organization understands how to uh, connect with. So, for example, um, what I think most organizations need is the ability for people to take responsibility for conflicts when they're in the early stages and set up their own uh, conversations, face-to-face -face conversations with other people and to have the skills and tools to do that. If that doesn't work, they should be able to say that's not appropriate or I need to move on to the next stage, which is to have a facilitated conversation. And that could be someone else more senior or different in the organization who facilitates that conversation. If that's not appropriate, you need someone who's neutral, you move on to the next stage, which is to have an external mediator, the kind of job that I do, facilitating that conversation. So you've got a staged approach, if you like, to having the dialogue, having the difficult conversations that you need to have uh, with some frameworks and some timeframes around how long should you allow for that process before you feel you've run out of steam and need to move on to the other process. And before, critically, you go into some kind of formal external grievance, complaints or litigation process. So that's the thing you're trying to avoid as long as possible is having to take things to a formal level so you recommend that for start you have something actually written down that explains yes. this journey absolutely so for the organization they would have what you call a conflict management system or a conflict management approach which is written down which is uh, recommended to members of staff which is actually part of their hr process but aside from the formal grievance and complaints process which is about enabling dialogue about difficult issues um, that is encouraging people to engage with that process as early as possible Mm. And, and do you find that a lot of companies don't have these in place? Most don't. Most companies right. don't have these uh, processes in place. Yeah. And, and, and is, it, is it a simple thing to do? Is it, uh, you know, is, is this a, a one pager or is it a small booklet or? Yeah, well, it's, it's like everything, Chris. It's simple but not easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, simple to write if you like. It's simple to sort of set it up. But what you do really need, you need to have somebody who's championing this approach, somebody quite senior in the organization who's saying, absolutely, we must be doing this. Uh, it could be the HR director or a board director. Uh, you need to have everybody on board so you need to make sure that people are equipped with the skills and tools to actually have these conversations or to instigate the process um, and then you need just need to make sure that measure whether people are using it and, and what difference is that making so it's like any other kind of strategic approach to your business you need to have the tools in place to make sure it's working effectively and what you mentioned the example there of of um, like co-founders of a business who are mm -hmm. experiencing conflict and yeah. I've, I've been in that situation uh, myself many years ago and, I, and I've helped uh, and I'm helping a number of clients who are going through that right now mm. and, and I, I wonder should this partly be written into your agreements when you set up the business in the first place and your yes. contracts between yes. each other? So I, I talk about myself working with what I call NEPs, new entrepreneurial partnerships, the kind of businesses that start up around the kitchen table. But, you know, you and I have both been in small businesses where we've worked with partners and it's never easy. And I think if you uh, if you acknowledge from the beginning there are going to be conflicts. We're inevitably not going to agree about everything. Uh, and what are we going to do? So when I, I was working with uh, my business partner in a training business, we actually did write down our own conflict management framework right from the beginning. Uh, you know, here's the things, here's the, uh, our vision. Um, this is what a good outcome looks like. Uh, here's what we'll do if we feel we're not getting on. Here's some things we're worried about. So my business partner said to me, you know, I'm worried that I will, um, I'll go off and make decisions without consulting you. Uh, and he did. <laughs> <laughs> But he recognized in himself, that's a trait that I have. I tend to go off on, on a frolic of my own and, uh, and I don't consult with people when I should do. So I'm flagging that up something I'm worried about, about myself. Uh, he might have also flagged up things he was worried about me. So we flagged up a few things. And then 
you know, what would be the process? Well, we would we would make time to sit down and have a conversation, um, and then if we if we were if we couldn't resolve it together, we would call in a trusted colleague to help us, and then if we couldn't resolve it, we, we'd call in a a properly trained mediator. And the other thing we did uh, in our business partnership is we made time every six months to sit down and review, are we on track? Are we still happy, actually? Are we still happy with where we're going? Because at the end of the day, it's about do we feel comfortable? Do we feel confident? Do we feel happy with the relationship, with the progress we're making? Or is there some sense in which we don't feel good about that and we need to talk about it? So we built that in every six months. We'll sit down and have a conversation and say, are we still on track now? Are we still happy? Mm, I remember having Jack Canfield on the show and he was he was suggesting and saying that, that what he does, every single week he has a, a conversation with his key people on a Friday and says, you know, how would you rate the quality of our relationship on a scale of one yes, to ten? Absolutely. Uh, and if they... You know, yeah. if they have anything less than about a nine, you know, or ten, then he's yeah. he's finding out why, um, and that makes me kind of kind of wonder whether we should be stepping in and resolving conflict at the very the very first signs. That feels like a way to do it. I also remember my granddad used to say, uh, "Never go to sleep on an argument." Um, you know, should we be if we see if there's something that's a, you know just started to happen, do we need to nip it in the bud and and stop it festering? I think we do. I think we do. And I think we are, there's a number of reasons why we don't do that. Um, one is that we, we have as humans, we have a tendency to deny things because, you know, we don't like difficult situations and we don't like difficult conversations. So we'll pretend that it isn't actually what we, what we see or what we feel. We think, well, actually, probably I'll wake up and it'll be better tomorrow. And, and then it's not better tomorrow. So we tend uh, to deny things. Uh, the second thing we do is we don't want to rock the boat. So in many, uh, I, I say that working with good teams or with good partnerships is harder, actually, because when you're in a team that's otherwise happy and friendly, nobody wants to be the person who rocks the boat and says, actually, I'm not totally happy with how things are going around here. So um, this idea that I don't want to rock the boat, we've got a pretty good relationship and if I actually say what I'm thinking or feeling I might spoil that so we don't want to rock the boat so those two things denying and not rocking the boat and then the third thing is you know I'm afraid that I can't manage my own emotions or the other person's emotions so I'm afraid what the consequences mm -hmm. will be of me actually speaking up will I unleash something that I don't know how to handle <laughs> <laughs> And, and that, that's the benefit, I think, of having someone like you involved in this process who who, yes. who can get a sense of what the elephants in the room might be, those things that people yes. are avoiding talking about and, and I guess deciding whether it is appropriate to flag them or not. Exactly. So one of the ways I work with people is to is to work with them separately so they get a chance to tell me their story and and then... It, when you're working in a joint session, there's you're kind of like a bit of a safety valve. If people feel they're going to let off steam or what we call venting, um, you're there to prevent the sort of fallout from that if there is any, and and just to make them feel a bit a bit safer in that space rather than having to confront somebody and risk getting angry and not knowing how to step back from that. Mm, yeah, you can you can facilitate that, can't you? You can yeah. you can either. You know, so, well, you've, you've got to put a neutral position in, but you can uh, you can ease that conversation, uh, help people to listen if it's important, or help people to shut up if it isn't. <laughs> Absolutely, and it is about listening. And actually, a third party can help people to listen to themselves as well as listen to each other. And sometimes it's not listening to ourselves that's the problem, not the listening to the other person, you know, when we can hear, oh, am I really sounding like that? Or, you know, is that really what's going on for me? We haven't understood ourselves as well as not understanding the other person. Yeah, yeah. And it can, you see, situations can, res, res, you know, <laughs> they can be aha moments, can't they? Yeah. Um, I remember having a, you know, one example where I sat down with someone and she was telling me how much her boss didn't like her and... Uh, Mm. Our boss, um, she felt that our boss didn't think she was very good. And, and I sat down with the boss and said, you know, how do you feel about so-and-so? Uh, and she said, oh, she, she's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's really, really, really good at her job. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I couldn't, just don't think I could do without her. And it was completely, 
you know, it's funny, isn't it? Different perception. Yeah. You know, do, do you tell her very often? Well, probably, probably not that. Way. So, <laughs> you know, so we, 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 it, it actually came to a <clears throat> came to a head very positively. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Now, what I do wonder: do HR processes help or hinder this situation? You know, you know, we we talked about we should write our conflict management process down, but do, do sometimes processes potentially? Uh, make the situation uh, appear even more serious or risk taking it to that next um, level where the stakes feel a bit higher? Yeah, that's a very interesting question, Chris. I, I mean, if you look, you know, HR, when I, when I first started in the workplace, we didn't have such a thing as an HR manager or an HR director. It just didn't exist. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a kind of department of many organizations. It's a profession that has grown and in many ways a great thing because it's helped to, it's helped to protect both employers and employees and, and put in place systems and processes to do that. But also... The downside is that, you know, some of these formal processes, and I've uh, mentioned, you know, a complaints process or a grievance process, once they're instigated, you've put a flag in the sand. And and what I see happening in the workplace today is that if somebody's unhappy with someone at work, instead of actually mentioning it to them or going through one of these informal discussion processes – They'll start keeping what I call a little black book. They go, well, you know, yesterday she said this and that upset me. And then, you know, and then, so they're building up their evidence, if you like. And then eventually they'll go to the HR manager. I've got a complaint to make. You know, X did this to me. And there's six examples of this that's happened. And then a formal complaint gets put in. Now, what I've seen, and I saw this recently with someone, is the uh, then the other person who's been complained about gets called into the office. And they say, I had no idea. I didn't know any of these things were going on. Nobody's mentioned it to me. Um, and that's over six months. And then they go off sick because they're so stressed. Yes. <laughs> they're so stressed at the news. They had no idea that over six months somebody was unhappy or talking about them behind their back. So then you end up with two stressed members of staff uh, with something that's been rumbling on for six months or more. Um and it might have been handled earlier. So I think to answer your question, yes, I think HR processes sometimes are encouraging people to store things up rather than handle them uh, up front. Uh, and that the formal process can sometimes be avoided, not always, but can sometimes be avoided by taking this less formal, more collaborative process. Mm. Yeah. Do, do you think it's, uh, so do, so do you therefore think it may be if you, you've, you've got the risk of risk of an issue with somebody that it's it's better early on just to go have a little chat with them uh, is that is that sensible to do it or is that a higher strategy uh, it, it depends <laughs> it <laughs> always depends I mean it, it depends on the person and the issue obviously um, but I think sometimes you know the first step should simply be to be able to uh, have a, a conversation with the other person and you know, be able to say what you what you thought or what was going on. So I, I've actually got a little process here I could give you in a minute for effective confrontation. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So the thing about confrontation is that's that's it. We're worried about confronting someone else, and we're worried about their what their response were. And we're also worried that we're going to, um, you know, we're going to become very emotional or very angry and say or do the wrong thing. So I've got a three-step process here for effective confrontation and it helps to run it over in your head perhaps first so sometimes practicing things first but the first thing is to say to the other person exactly how you feel so how do you feel what's what's going on for you and the second thing is to say here's the specific thing or the specific circumstance that happened that made me feel that way and the third thing is to say and here's the potential impact that that's having or might have on me or on us, and then stop. So instead of going on justifying yourself or instead of then accusing the other person, you just stop and you wait to see what their response is. And that's the discipline. Um, But, yeah, so... Good. Yeah. Good. I was just thinking about um, early on in my career, I remember I just joined um, Mars, the confectionery company, and uh, I moved into a... A department, probably probably year year in, into it, and there was a, a guy in the team who was a been in there for quite a while, and I had to go to him and say, look, I, I just uh, have a chat. I've just got a feeling that you, you know, you may not be t- 
to over happy that I'm I've joined the team um, because uh, I feel that when I sort of contribute that uh, you uh, you know you put me down a little bit and um, yeah. it's actually yeah. making me feel quite feel quite sad really because I like to get on with everybody and uh, I just wonder how you're feeling and uh, it, it actually nips in the bud and he sort of said actually I'll if I'm completely honest, I felt a little bit threatened by you coming into the team, and uh, and we became friends after that. But it was perfect example, Chris. Absolutely quite... perfect example. So, for example, you know, you might say to someone, you know, when you got up and walked out of that meeting yesterday, you made me feel humiliated. You know, I I felt humiliated, and uh, and I'm worried that I don't want to feel like that again, uh, and I'm worried that I'll lose respect for you if if that's the sort of way our meetings go. So, so you know, something like yeah. that. It's very simple. Um, and just so one of the key things about having you know, difficult conversations is, as you did, you give the power back to the other person by saying, I think you said, you know, I'm wondering how you feel about that. So it could be you just stop or you just say, and I'm wondering what you think. Yeah. And that actually is, is incredibly powerful because you're giving the power, the last word back to the other person rather than using an accusation or an angry word as the final thing. Yeah, because it could have been something I'd said that upset him. I, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. First to understand, haven't you, before being yeah, understood, if you can. Absolutely. Right, Steve. we're going to go to a commercial break, and uh, we'll talk a bit more about the skills that we need to possess after the break to manage conflict and also have a little chat about how we deal with domestic disputes, uh, which uh, I certainly know from experience can be quite challenging. <laughs> Oh, well, we'll look forward to that, Chris. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then, you know, how do you personally go about facilitating conflict resolution, Jane? I'd like to know, you know, some of the, some of the secrets that uh, you secrets. adopt and use. That'll be good. And so we're back again with you all in just a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is uh, Chris Cooper here. I'm with Jane Gunn. If you've got any questions or comments on the show, please drop me an email to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, Jane and I were just chatting in the break. Um, my, my my two children were having a little bit of a, a, a disagreement at the other end of the house, and we were just um, we were we were chatting about family family conflicts and the the fun of uh, dealing with domestic disputes, which we'll talk about in just a minute. So, what are the basic skills, Jane, that we need to all possess to manage conflict well? Oh, the, the biggest one uh, and the hardest one, I think, uh, something we think we do well but we don't, is to listen. Yeah. Is to really listen to other people. You know, it's actually hard. It's easy to hear, but hard to listen. I think, uh, and listening really means that you're actually 
taking time to understand what the other person is trying to tell you rather than what you are hearing and the two different things. So a lot of times when I'm mediating, when I'm training, I'm really getting people to understand how to actively listen to other people and hear what they're really, really, really trying to tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's that's true, isn't it? Um, yeah. We, we can be so consumed with our own story, can't we, that we, yes. we fail to truly listen to the other person. Yeah, and we're and that, desperate I, to, to jump back in again. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I think that particularly, you, you notice that happening in close uh, family disputes. I'm, yes. I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to just, while you're answering this question, so I'm going to ask you about domestic disputes. I have a hungry <laughs> dog now who's joined me in the room. So I'm just going to go and ask him to leave. So, uh, yeah, so Jane, what, what are your thoughts on domestic disputes? How do we best handle them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, people always say to me, they say, are you, are you good at handling your own domestic disputes? And I say, well, not always, because I'm not a neutral third party. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, one of the stories I tell a lot in my training, and in fact, I've, I've done a little video, which you, you're welcome to uh, attach a link to, which is called Jane Gunn Talks Rubbish. So, <laughs> Jane Gunn Talks Rubbish is, a, is an example. I can't remember how much the story's got embroidered, but um, uh, I get home from work after a busy day and the rubbish bin's overflowing and, uh, and it's my husband's job to put the bins out. So my husband gets home from work a bit later and I immediately launch into him and say, look at this, you know, the bin's overflow. You haven't put the bin out yet again, um, you know, and start accusing him, at which he says complete rubbish she says you know I can remember quite clearly that I did put the bin out at 8 p.m last Tuesday full stop so you know where did we go wrong then he goes off with pours himself a gin and tonic and storms off into the other room so we're not speaking for the rest of the evening so you know well where did that all go wrong you know and there's a number of things there you know what was actually going on for me was it actually about the bin or was there something else going on? So, you know, was it partly to do with mm -hmm. my bad day? Was there something historic sort of festering away between us? We have to sort of unpack that. And then, you know, did my husband listen to me? Did he? And, and at what level? So one of the things I get my clients to think about is their emotional barometer. Because when your emotions are high, your logic is low. And yes. you, it's, it's so um, what my husband did to me there was answered me with logic. Uh, he quite could quite clearly remember that he put the bins out at 8 p.m. Well, that's a logical answer. I don't care about that because I'm highly emotional because <laughs> 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 I've had a bad day at work and I'm upset about the bins. So he didn't acknowledge my emotion and he didn't listen to or try and discover what was really going on. He answered me with logic and I couldn't hear that. I don't care whether he's right or wrong about the bin. It's irrelevant to me in the state of mind that I'm in. So... Um, that's a perfect example. In the domestic sphere of where we go wrong, there's a lot of history attached to our domestic disputes, which can go back generations sometimes. How were we brought up? You know, what's the culture like in our family? All sorts of things that determine how and why we react to our relatives as we do. And then what's this really all about? Is it about the bin or is it about something else? Uh, and trying to dig below that and then trying to sort of calm the emotions down by listening to someone and acknowledging that they are emotional, that they are upset. And what could you do about that? Do you need to take some space from each other? Did you need to pour me a glass of gin? You know, what would have calmed that situation down in the heat of the moment? So there's where we go wrong domestically. We we are much more prone to being emotionally um you know, unstable, if you like, or, you know, to, 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 to letting our emotions take over. Yes, so, so it wouldn't have helped if you suggested that you put the bin out next week. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be surprised how much this bin story comes up with other clients, actually. Yeah, it was yeah. an interesting one, because I kind of wonder how we get this division of labour sometimes in the household. Exactly. And then, do you, you know, is one party secretly resentful of it? You know, has that built up to... You know, there's one party who always make the meal every evening and another party always puts the bins out and you never question it. And then all of a sudden somebody says, I've been making the dinner for you for 10 years, you know. <laughs> well, I have a, yeah, I have a sort of addition to that story in that um, I used to have some neighbours, they've moved now and they would, 
when her husband was away, she would never dream of going and putting the bin out herself and it would <laughs> kind of overflow and be so I would go and uh, I would I would go and deal with my bin and then I would go and deal with with uh, their bin. Otherwise, I knew yes. it was going to be kind of yes. smelling and whatever. So I deal with it. And then one Christmas, she came round with a huge bar of chocolate and uh, thanked me for being her bin man. <laughs> At least she noticed, Chris. At least she noticed. She noticed, but I thought, um, a bar of chocolate for a year of putting your bin out. Well, there you go. Was that fair, was that fair recompense? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yes, it was uh, being referred to as a bin man. Was, uh, <laughs> I, quietly, I quietly said thank you. <laughs> but, I mean, this is quite interesting, isn't it? Because mm. we, we you, you know, what you've done now, you've start, you start, you started to explain a process um, because some of our hardest, some of the hardest dealings can be with uh, somebody who's close, who we live live closely with, yes. and uh, you know that can kind of help us to understand this process. So you know you've got to, you say you've got to unpack what's really going on. Are there other things you've just had a bad, a bad day, or or something's happened, or you know is is the issue that we're talking about re- the true issue? Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, mm. yeah. So I understand. Love to see that that emotional. That emotional barometer as well, I think, is important to understand, isn't it? Hugely, um, yes. And to, and to be able to acknowledge the other person, just 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 find out what's really going on for them. Mm. Mm. So, how would you recommend then? If how would you how should your husband have approached that with you? <laughs> Yes, I get lots of matrimonial advice when I'm telling that story. (laughs) Are you still together? Well, I will just add, we've been together. I think we're about to celebrate our 34th wedding anniversary. So we're not doing too badly, not doing too badly. So we've got over the bin, we've got over the bin story. Um, The answer is always it depends. But I think, you know, acknowledging the emotion, you know, I I can see that, you you, you know, you, you you're feeling very emotional or, you know, maybe you've had a bad day or, or pouring me a gin and tonic or making me a cup of tea, depending on, you know, what he knows is about me and would be the best way. But acknowledging the emotion and, you know, finding some time to actually calm me down. You can't speak to somebody who's highly emotional, really, logically. So you've got to deal with the emotional first. You've got to acknowledge it and you've got to show you're listening so, you know, reflecting back to me, uh, I can see you're upset that I haven't put the bin out. Um, let's talk about it or something. But the I can see you're upset because I haven't put the bin out would be a great start. Yeah. <laughs> and then we can move on from there. But what we tend to do is we tend to leap into defending ourselves. We none of us... None of us like to be made to feel less than we are, less than good about ourselves. If somebody appears to criticize us in the way they talk to us, we immediately leap to our own defense. And that's where we go wrong because we perceive criticism and being made to feel less than we are uh, in many situations. So, you know, my husband feels he's being attacked for not carrying out his domestic duties um, and so on and you know and then and then he might say oh you're 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 always so emotional so then I would feel attacked you know so we tend to get into this spiral of attacking and uh, attacking each other and defending each uh, ourselves um, before we know where we are because it's instinctive because we want to we want to not feel less than good about ourselves and and therefore we we leap leap to our own defense so that's what happens and how do you break that cycle well simply by listening to the other person and acknowledging them and not trying to defend yourself however hard that is yeah yeah i think that's that, that acknowledging the emotion and uh, helping the other person to calm down and show you're listening is it's a lot yeah. better. I think I think what us as men sometimes tend to do is we tend to want to want to give advice, don't we? On yes, how to yeah. fix problems. It doesn't yeah, doesn't yeah. always go down very well. It doesn't. Funnily enough, no. My my <laughs> husband likes to to give you, give advice and solve the problem, and I say I just want you to listen. I actually just want you to listen to me. Yeah. yeah. So. So we'll remember we'll remember that, Jane. <laughs> I've been taking lots of notes. Just listen, just listen. <laughs> I always love to love to get that kind of feedback um, from somebody like yourself that I can then straight away use at home, which is which is great. Yeah. So, so tell tell us about how do people if if people wanted some help from you, how do they go yes. about sort of how do they go about um, 
you know, talking to you and in what sort of situations can you help? So I tend to work at three different levels, I suppose. Um, either I'm mediating, so somebody really needs me as a, as a neutral third party to come in and mediate something that um, requires that kind of help. I can do that. Um, at another level, people just may think they'd like to just discuss how could they better deal with a situation like we've just done. You know, I'm in a situation, I need to have a difficult conversation with a partner or a member of staff, and I would coach them. So what I call conflict coaching, I would talk them through the situation, give them some tips and tools, and they could go away and do it themselves. They might get a copy of my book or something, but a framework for them to do that. And then on the other hand, I'm going into organizations and I'm giving them the skills and tools that they need to set up these conflict management processes, understand what, how conflict's impacting their organization uh, and to make their own teams or their organization more effective. So those three things, really. Excellent. And whereabouts will people go to? Um, Jane so Gunn. my website, yes, janegun.co.uk um, is there. I can send you a link. I'm releasing some mini videos every week. We're doing little tips and tools for people. Um, so one of the recent ones we've just done is, uh, am I walking on eggshells? So are you sometimes, do you sometimes feel as though you're walking on eggshells with people that you're going to say the wrong thing? And uh, so we, I've got, to, I can send you a link to go out with this recording of how people can access some mini tips and tools. Excellent. That's brilliant. Well, yeah. Jane, it's been an absolute pleasure. Have you got a final message you'd just like to leave us with? Just a very quick one. Quick one. I think just listen. One of the tips we've got is listen like a cow, you know. The cow is just, or listen like a dog. Listen like an animal listens to you. They just look at you with great big eyes and, and they absorb everything you're saying. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Jane, been b- brilliant to... Um, uh, yeah, to listen to you and talk yeah. with you today. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm not sure I listened like a cow. But, no. uh, it's been, uh, been, been, been great and, and lots of lots of thoughts and tips. And you know, I think it's important that people really do consider conflict carefully and think about uh, the appropriate processes and dealing with it early. And if there are big challenges, it can cost a lot of money as well. Uh, get somebody in like Jane to, to help you with those issues. So thank you, Jane. Thank you, Chris. Uh, and on next week's show, we've got Paul Hargreaves. And Paul is a, uh, a fascinating man. He's the founder and chief executive of Cotswold Fair, which is a speciality in fine food wholesaler, supplies nearly 2,000 retail outlets throughout the UK. And he's written a book. He has a very purpose-driven business. It's called Forces for Good, uh, Creating a Better World Through Purpose-Driven Businesses. And I'm going to be talking to him about it um, next week, about um, how, you, how you do that and, um, and ensure that you... You know, really prosper and survive in the 21st century. And uh, you consider not just the bottom line, but people and the planet too. Very topical. So once again, we'll be back with you again next week. Any questions or comments, send them to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. And um, thanks again, once again, Jane Gunn. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.